friends, welcome to this episode of the Dorinda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned. I also wanted to let you know that I have an online mentoring course available. This is a series of videos that I recorded a few years ago, just explaining more deeply and more fully what it looks like to take a simple, unhurried approach to learning with your kids from kindergarten all the way through high school. I share our experience. I share the things that I learned. um, I share resources. So if you want to check that out, you can go to theunhurriedhomeschooler.thinkific.com and I will also leave a link in the show notes that you can uh, use to get there as well. Now, moms, I say this all the time, math was a real struggle for me. My question for you is, have you tried CTC math yet with your child. So here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. So moms, if you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. And I will leave that link in the show notes as well. Today, I wanted to share a simple and fun approach that our family took for social studies. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, many of you may know that I did not use a formal curriculum for history or science until our kids were in high school. I know that sounds hard to believe, but it's true. Um, There were a lot of reasons for that. Um, I thought back to my own experience in school and thought, how much do I actually remember from elementary history and science. And the reason I asked myself that question is because I was having a hard time fitting everything in every day, feeling like I had to do all these subjects every single day. And I thought, sheesh, okay, I know that reading is really important. Writing is important. Math is important. (sighs) History and science are important, but at what stage? Are they really essential? And again, that made me look back at my own experience. How much do I remember from of history, from science, and sorry, how much of history and science do I remember from my elementary years? And the truth was, I only remembered the things that were interesting to me. And so I thought, hmm, I think there might be a developmental thing here going on. And I, and I realized, you know, um, I know kids' developmental stages pretty well. And I, and I was thinking, I don't think they're actually cognitively ready to be able to take in the big picture of science or the big picture of history. Um, it's, it's really that the that process of making connections with all of that really doesn't happen till later. So really just exposure 
to it in the elementary years is what I decided would be the best approach for our family. And so what I did was I would um, have... Uh, good books laying around that we owned and and books from the library. I regularly pulled books from the library and bought books at yard sales and purchased books online um, about different things that I thought my kids might find interesting about history. And I noticed that my kids, um, each one would be attracted to different parts and different um, aspects of history. Um, and, you know, like at one point, you know, pretty much all of our boys were interested in guns. Well, they can learn about history through the history of guns. And so they can still get that exposure um, by following that interest of theirs. Um, my, our daughters found uh, how people dressed. Um, we had an Usborne book on how people dressed throughout history. And that was super interesting to them or how their homes were set up. Um things that they ate. What did they eat back then? How did they live back then? And so just, you know, some of them just enjoyed random fun facts about different points in history when we read aloud. Um, Sometimes we would read a a biography, a short biography of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, sort of the key figures in history, um, you know, uh, Martin Luther and, you know, just kind of like, it was just sort of organic, just sort of as the conversations happened and as I thought of different things or I saw a book that I was like, oh, that could be an interesting one to have around. So that's how we did our science in history during that time. And the other reason that we did that, and I mentioned this earlier, trying to fit it all in, but you all know I felt very strongly that having margin in our days was super important. I wanted my kids to also be doing chores every day and and uh being accountable for that, which all takes time. I wanted them to participate in the daily uh, happenings like meals and, you know, setting the table and things like that, participating in everyday life, feeding the animals, um, helping keep the house tidy, yard work, things like that. I also wanted them to have time to play because I knew that was super important. Well, I couldn't do all of those subjects. Maybe some of y'all can and kudos to you, but I couldn't. So I thought, this is how I'm going to do it. And I approached it that way. And I wasn't always fully confident in that approach, I might say. Um, but I can tell you now, looking back, it was it was a great approach for our family. And you can, of course, combine reading with history, streamlining um, subjects. So I know that moms do that and they do it really well. And so I kind of sort of did that by having the books laying around. And then when our kids had quiet time in the early afternoon, I would hand them sometimes very specific books so that they were, there was nothing else to do except look at the books. So um, another, other ways that they learned history and science though um, was through like the Magic School Bus, documentaries, um, YouTube videos. Uh, they, they loved the Krat Brothers and they loved Liberty's Kids. I bought that DVD set back when there was no streaming going on. Um, and, and they learned a ton from that. And that would often sort of like um, get them sort of going a certain direction. They'd find something interesting on Liberty's Kids or the Krat Brothers or whatever, or a documentary that they watched or Magic School Bus, and they would proceed to pursue that particular interest. And so 
it was a very organic way to do it and it worked so well for our kids. And so um, I just wanted to make that explanation because I I know some of you haven't heard uh, why we did that. And I thought I would just kind of lay a foundation there with that. Um, The other thing, other ways that our kids learned, um, I think we forget sometimes that everyday life offers lessons in history and science conversations just in the, you know, along the way when we're driving in the car and maybe somebody sees something that spurs on a conversation about George Washington or another historical figure or somebody mentions somebody's name at, at church like Martin Luther and they're like, who's Martin Luther? Oh, well, let's let's find that out, you know. Um, so there's th- those ways and those avenues and on-ramps um, to help our kids learn and be exposed to those parts of history and science. Um, We also had a garden for a good many years uh, cooked in the kitchen. Um, There's a lot to be learned there, not just uh, science, but also math, as we all know. Um, I did occasionally purchase science kits that the kids could just do on their own. So nothing complicated or anything like that, but just as things look like fun, look like something the kids would enjoy, I would purchase those. Um, Sometimes I found them at yard sales. Um, So it was really, in all truth, it was, in all honesty, it was whatever God happened to bring along. And so I would pray for wisdom, of course, every day, and God would just gently lead me to things that were doable for our kids. And so that was a big part of how we took a simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling. So um, I'm going to dive into this this particular idea um, because, as I mentioned, it just sort of would happen organically, this, that, and the other thing. Um, But periodically, we would dive into a season of doing something fun that was geared toward history or science. And like I said, when it presented itself, the opportunity presented itself, or through an interest, like I mentioned before, it was organic. It happened because I was paying attention to where my kids were. What were they talking about? What were they asking me about? What were they discussing um, amongst each other? Or if I threw something out, did it look like they were uh, interested in it? And if so, then we would gently move forward with something. And um, the key is uh, letting it be their thing. Uh, that was that was key. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a minute. But at one point, we decided, along with some friends of ours, that we would spend two to four weeks studying a specific country. So we would decide, okay, we're going to study Ireland. And so that family was studying Ireland. We were studying Ireland at home, you know, in our everyday homeschooling journey. And then what would happen is the kids would write about what they learned, and then we would get together as families, and the kids would read their own papers out loud in front of the families. Now, if they were pre-readers, they could simply answer a few key questions or share from memory what they thought was interesting. After that, we would have a meal that included the foods that people in that country would commonly eat. And the kids would participate in the preparation of that as well. They also participated in choosing which foods we would have. So very involved. And so just that little um, project-based activity 
taught our kids so much. So just, so think about a project-based activity and this one in particular. I'm going to just go through the things that our kids are learning from this. The first thing, obviously, is geography. So we're pulling out a map or a globe and we're going to find the location of that country. We're going to look at, you know, um, what other countries are surrounding it. Um, Because if you notice, if you go to the European countries, they're all very small and it's a very short distance from one to the other. And so the countries that are next to each other often have a bit of an impact on the culture of the of the neighboring country. So those are all just observations that we can make as we're, um, you know, just looking at the location of that particular country. History, obviously, um, we're going to likely be diving into the history of this country. How did it come into being? Who were its founders? Who are its heroes? Um, You know, the list could go on and on. You can decide how deeply you want to go into the history of it. Um, Some people just, you know, maybe you just want to study the country as it is now. I mean, these are all just wonderful options as your kids um, sort of are taking the lead. So letting them decide what what it is that they want to learn about this country. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to throw out ideas. Like if there's something really interesting about the history of that country, I'm going to mention it. And you know, as I'm I'm sort of perusing Wikipedia and some different resources, anything I happen to find interesting. And this is just at my leisure. It's not like I'm diving into this deep study and formulating all this big plan and all this curriculum. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just looking for information that I think would be interesting to my kids. Because sometimes if you throw out something like, oh, did you know that at the beginning of uh, the time when this country was being formed, this is what was going on? And and sometimes they'll bite and sometimes they won't. Sometimes you don't think they're interested, but they end up taking that little tidbit of information and expounding on it. And this is what interest-led learning looks like. All right, so... Here's another thing that they're learning is resourcefulness. Okay, so what we want to encourage our kids to do, first of all, is own this topic. And so we're going to ask them, how do you think that you uh, could find information on this particular country? And we want their resources to not just be the internet, although the internet is incredibly helpful. Sometimes if you've got a kid who isn't showing a particular interest, um, start pulling up images of the country or the culture or the foods or something like that and say, oh, look at this. Can you believe they eat this? This is really weird stuff. It's made out of this, this, and this, you know. So you're engaging them because you want them to own what they're doing. But younger kids can learn. Uh, we can use the opportunity to help teach them how to find books at the library to f- on the topic that they're interested in. So there you've got a whole other thing that they're learning. Um, they're learning how to use the library and, and the Dewey Decimal System. That can be a whole little short study as well. Um, learning to talk to the librarian and what kinds of questions to ask. You know, so you're teaching them to engage the librarian in uh, telling them what their need is and then getting their need met and how to do that with manners and, um, you know, just with kindness. And, um, and, and librarians typically are super sweet and helpful. So that could be, that's another great thing that they're learning. Um, obviously, they can look for information online with help. Of course, we're not going to let them peruse the internet without some supervision. Um, but watching short YouTube videos, um, maybe not 
the hour long one with the younger kids, but maybe, uh, you know, a five or 10 minute or maybe 15 minute one. So choose wisely um, according to the, you know, the attention span of your child and every child is different. My husband always says that the mind can only take in what the seat can endure. And depending on the kid, you got to keep it shorter or you can let it be a little bit longer. So you decide that as the parent or you can stop it part of the way through and then take a break and continue on. Kids can take notes if they want to, or you can stop and say, what do you find interesting about that? You know, or you could ask questions about specific things that were said, and now you're doing comprehension and they're having to communicate and regurgitate what they saw and heard, which is a whole other learning process. You know, the older kids can do the same, but they can also dig a little deeper into the online resources um, because, you know, their capacity to read more and take in more and take notes and all of that is is better, bigger, more mature. Um, we could talk with them about learning uh, more about how to write a five-paragraph essay. Maybe that's the, that's the on-ramp. This project-based thing is the on-ramp you want to use to teach them how to write a five-paragraph essay, which is a very basic essay. If you're not sure what that is, just look it up. There are some, you could probably find it on YouTube as well. It's a simple explanation. You're going to have an introduction, you're going to have a body, and you're going to have a conclusion, and they're going to tell you what should be included in those things. And so you can give some direction on an essay, but don't take the fun out of it. That's really important. I think it's important to... Even if all you're going to do is just just introduce them to a five-paragraph essay and see if they bite, see if they're willing to give it a try. And if they're super resistant and it's taken the fun out of the project, I would just drop it. But at least you've exposed them to the idea of a five-paragraph essay. This is homeschooling, moms. It's so much of it is, you know, like a buffet. You're putting this in front of them and you're saying... Hey, what do you think about this? This is a this is something that I, I think is important for you to learn. Um, would you like to take this opportunity to learn about a five paragraph essay? And if not now, we'll, we can do it later. But now you're telling them this is probably this is something we're going to cover eventually, so it's not a surprise later on. And you can um, you know just sort of pass that opportunity up if they're not uh, you know quite ready for that or wanting to do that or it's taking the fun out of it. Um, if they are up for that, they can actually, and maybe more, they could actually learn um, about writing footnotes to show their resources. This is another really great skill to have. It's not absolutely essential if you're going to college, probably, maybe for high school if you're taking a class on that. For life, it is not necessary. However, Maybe you want them to learn this, and this could be an opportunity to do that. And um, one little book that I would recommend is called The Little Seagull Handbook. And so um, it's sort of, it's a, it's a, it's a little book of intuitive organization, color coding, and jargon-free instruction for common kinds of writing. Um, and this makes it a reference tool that students um student writers truly use. It's very, very practical. Um, and so I'll leave a link in the show notes to that if that's something you're interested in. And if you've got kids heading towards high school and you'd really like them to learn um, more uh, aspects of writing, just the real practical, mechanical part of it, this is, um, this is a great resource. 
Um, <clears throat> okay, so writing footnotes. Uh, some kids um, also, they might love to share a PowerPoint presentation. So this could be an opportunity for them to put together something um, that's that's visual. You know, maybe they really love technology. And so they can put together a PowerPoint presentation or they could put together a video. Explain, you know, so their presentation is done on video. So there's just, you guys, the sky's the limit. It's kind of like whatever they're, you know, you just keep encouraging them. That's our biggest job is just encourage them and marvel at what they're doing. I have to tell you a funny little side story. So a couple of weeks ago, our son was putting in um, some light fixtures in our house and he's, he's 24, married, has a baby and everything. And I may have told this story in another episode, but it's it's so applicable um, and it fits so well in what I'm talking about um, that I, I want to share it again. So he comes to me and he says, mom, come and marvel at my work. <laughs> and I just had to laugh because first of all, he wasn't afraid to tell me that. Second of all, he cared that I would come and marvel at his work. And third, the thing that really struck me was all the years that I would marvel at the different things that they did, whether I thought it was that great or not, was not actually the issue. They were, if I could see, they were engaged and they were learning and they were like, so it's not, it's not empty praise. What it was, was encouragement to keep going, keep digging, keep learning, keep doing that thing you're doing. Maybe even ask some questions. Well, what are you going to do about this? And how about this? And after this, what are you going to do? You know, something like that, where you're just taking a genuine interest in what they're doing. It makes them know that they add value that they add value to this life and to this world. And it seems, I know that seems like a big leap, but it's not. When our kids see that we value what they're doing, they value what they're doing. And the thing that really happens in all of it is again, not empty praise, but encouragement to continue learning and to continue honing in on their skills and doing things that are valuable and productive and worthy of being noted. And so um, I just had to share that with you because like I said, I spent a lot of time marveling at what they were doing. And you know, it's interesting because it always seemed to lead to more, it led to more and more and more learning and more and more and more um, self-motivation, like initiative in their learning, ownership of their learning. That's what we want to be encouraging. And that's what I love about this particular, um, <clears throat> this particular, you know, project-based learning. <clears throat> All right. So let me find my notes again here. Um, yeah. So th- how they want to present is completely up to them. And But I would say presenting is not... Um, optional. However, I do understand that you could have a younger or a particularly shy child. And, and you as a parent get to make that call because I would encourage as much as possible for them to get up and do it, even if it's just a few sentences. But if they absolutely can't, let them sit back and watch the others so that they can see that it's not that bad. Um, Because again, what's happening? They're learning public speaking. That's another aspect to what they're learning in this this particular project-based 
idea for social studies. So, okay, and then of course, we don't even have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. They're learning reading and writing, um, which can be incorporated into our daily homeschool. So while they're studying, it's like a unit study, but it's a self, it's somewhat self-directed. Um, so you're incorporating the reading and writing for their daily homeschooling. Um, th- you're using the study of that country to do that. Also, cooking. Again, planning foods, which uh, the foods that we're going to have and helping to prepare them, even going to the grocery store and finding the ingredients, you know, you might not be able to find everything at one store and, you know, you're continually asking questions. Well, gosh, do you think there's a different store that we could go to? For instance, sometimes things that you need for an Asian meal are can only be found at an Asian market. And then that's a whole other experience, going in and seeing the different kinds of foods that are offered um, in an Asian market and the, the kinds of things that Asian people might eat. So again, so, 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 so much learning going on here. And the thing that's interesting about their little presentation that they're going to do is it also... Um, teaches them to sort through information and and decide what they think is important or interesting to share. Another thing that's being taught is teamwork. You know, often older kids can help the younger kids find information. Um, the other thing is we can be talking about this as a family. So it's a common topic for the whole family to discuss around the dinner table. Um, For instance, if you know that they've been working on this project that day, sit down around the dinner table and ask what they learned that day about the country that they were studying. So what would happen at our house is there was a lot of competition, you know, because they all wanted to have participate in the conversation. So there was this competition to come up with the most interesting thing to share at the dinner table. And again, this is a beautiful thing for our families to be having a common topic for multiple ages to share. So you can see how each um, age could, you know, they're going to take, do their own little version of this. And this is why it's great for multiple ages. And again, another reason it's great is that because, is because you've got this common topic that the whole family's talking about. And so, whereas maybe your high schooler and your second grader aren't going to have a lot of things in common, this is something they could have in common to have a conversation about and, and engage in a conversation around the table. And so, Really what all of this is, is it's a kind of immersive learning, or as I said before, a project-based learning. You know, uh, maybe one child is going to find the clothing, the food, the music, or the traditions interesting, and another will find the history, the religion, or the beliefs more interesting. And so allowing them that broad um, scope of being able to choose what it is they want to hone in on also it gives us as parents an opportunity to sort of see where, where where our kids find interest. And so this tells us more about who they are, how their minds work, the things they're drawn to. So we learn about our own kids in these types of projects. We learn about each one and their, their uniquenesses and how they go after information and how they process it and how they want to present it. So, so much going on there. So you see what a simple project like this can teach, multiple, multiple layers. Um, but the idea is to let each child find their way in the process by simply encouraging ownership of their learning. 
give them as much freedom as possible while still engaging in a common goal. Um, And the goal is to have something to contribute, something valuable to contribute at the gathering. And that's sort of like the highlight and the sort of uh, the highlight of that project-based learning is that is that evening together, um, sharing what we've learned, sharing what they've learned. Um, we as parents marveling over the the things that they shared and the the ways that they shared it. Um, you know, it, sharing food. You know, sitting over a meal together and thinking about these people in another country who would eat this food on a regular basis. You know, it's just. It's such a beautiful picture of um, just natural learning. But the whole process will be a learning curve for everyone. You get to see your kids' strengths and weaknesses, their ability to gather information, their resourcefulness, and you can just make mental notes or you could even make notes in a notebook. I used to do that frequently where if I... We were engaged in something and I was noticing different things, unique things about each child. I would write that down so that I kind of had that in mind as we were approaching learning in other areas as well. But the biggest thing with these kinds of projects is not to take over the process. It's so easy to do that. We get this idea in our heads that we have to tell them what they need to learn in all of this. The goal, remember, is to have something to share at the night of the gathering. And so we have to let our kids own it. We encourage them all along the way and we help them find the resources, but we don't own what is their responsibility. And if they happen to show up on the night of the gathering with little to nothing to offer, don't think they're not gonna notice that. (laughs) It will be a lesson. It will be a learning curve for them. And so... Um, I hope this was helpful and encouraging to you. And I hope that uh, you will give it a try because we had so much fun with this. So um, enjoy and we will talk next time. I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the variety of ways that we and our kids can learn things. Um, For the differences in our children and the way that they learn and the way that they process things, Lord, thank you. Those are all uniquenesses that you created them with. So help us to respect those, to encourage them, and to know how to guide and but not take over um, these particular projects with our kids. And so I just pray that this idea would be a blessing to the families listening and that you would continue to bless them with a fantastic homeschooling journey. In Jesus' name, amen. 